Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by the Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet and I'm, and I'm with Jennifer Borel. For today's program, we will talk about cooperatives and cooperative living. And apologies for this interference of a previous program. So, in the first half of 2016, I largely lived in Argentina, followed by a short visit to Chile. Before going, I asked Jacques if there was anything he wanted me to research and write about for New Community. New Community is the only community development journal in Australia and produced in partnership with Borderlands Cooperative, with Jacques as the editor. So, Jacques told me he was interested in what has happened with cooperatives in Argentina. Of course, I leapt at the idea of seeing what is happening with them. Many places in South America have vibrant cooperatives. Often when ruling regimes and economic structures have let people down, they turn to community networks and processes and values of reciprocity for survival. So how do cooperatives work in different settings? What can we learn from them? And before we go back to Argentina, it's probably a good idea to have a bit of a talk about where the idea and the practice of cooperatives came, came or comes from. The origin of cooperatives as a sort of a business ownership and operations model come, goes back to the first half of the 19th century, and even predecessors were earlier than that. Usually, 1844 is thought to be the year the first real cooperative came about. Although, as I said, there had been many previous attempts, uh, like Proudhon and Owen and many others, who uh, in the early early 1800s started to resist the gradual imposition of uh, the system we now know as capitalism. Uh, So several European countries, they started to develop working models which resisted that imposition and the impositions of industrial capitalists. So, uh, and those impositions, they start to really create havoc to individuals, families, communities, and of course, the environment as we now know. The first uh, really group which was is credited with the start, the physical start, if you want, of uh, cooperatives are the brotherly, brotherly weavers of Rochdale. Uh, they uh, Rochdale sits in about 20, 20 25 kilometers north of the city of Manchester, uh, which then was the epicenter of the English textile industry. The exploitation of the workers in the textile mills did not just occur through working conditions and long working hours and things like that, and low wages particularly. The exploitation extended directly into their family and consumer lives as part of the wages was paid in vouchers with which they then could buy food and other 
items like clothes and things like that in the fac- in the factory shop, which of course was also owned mm. by the factory owner him him or herself or themselves. So, so the factory owners were getting back the money they paid in wages so, uh, by selling goods to the workers. And in many many cases, that food was very bad. There was weevils in it and all of that. So the workers came together as a cooperative. They put money together and bought then food, foodstuffs and other items at trade prices Mm. and sold it to the cooperative members at low prices or at reasonable prices, leaving a small amount of surplus, if you want, for future expansion of the range of articles they were going to sell, but also for educational and other purposes, serving and benefiting Mm -hmm. the community. Mm. And back now to Argentina. Argentina. <laughs> so La Toma in Rosario in Argentina really captured my attention, even though I had contact with several others. La Toma is a popular name for Cooperativa de Trabajadores en Lucha, so which is, I suppose, translate literally as um, workers, um, cooperative for workers in struggle. Uh, La Toma literally means the takeover which is how this cooperative came to be. In 2001, there was a severe economic and political crisis in Argentina. Overnight, people's savings were wiped, small businesses collapsed, and people were suddenly living on the streets. Literally, many people died of exposure. It's hard for us to imagine. There was huge protest and disruption, along with looting, roadblocks, and assassinations by the repressive forces of the state. Revolts by the people were both planned and spontaneous. So amidst this, a supermarket chain, Tigre, closed branches without notice, leaving workers destitute and without entitlements. Without a social safety net, many were in really desperate straits, uh, on a survival level really. In addition, Tigre hadn't paid taxes for years due to a close relationship with the government. So when workers turned up to the last supermarket in the Tigre chain and found themselves locked out, how did they get in? They used bolt cutters. As you would. (laughs) They used bolt cutters to gain entry and they occupied the site. So La Toma is a vibrant community space to this day. In fact, It is a site occupied and used by a range of community groups and cooperatives, including artists, actors, activists, unionists, survivors of family violence, a range of community groups, a Marxist group and a vegan kitchen. Its ongoing existence, though, is always precarious um, as it's technically still an illegal occupation. Despite widespread community support, and the legitimacy also lent by such bodies as the University of Rosario. Which again goes to show the difference between legality and legitimacy. Uh, in great contrast, uh, by just to illustrate that, are some experiences uh, of trying to set up workers' cooperatives in Australia. Uh, in the journal, uh, The New Community, Tony Webb in 2015 wrote about some of the Australian attempts to setting up cooperatives after the factories had gone, well, whatever, probably bankrupt or so. Uh, he described international mega corporations suddenly closing down 
their factories in profit-maximizing moves. Heinz was one of them in the Goulburn Valley and Ingham's in South Australia. Mm. Mm-hmm. And at least one of those uh, wasn't bankrupt. Mm. Um, there was a move to make greater profits. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So in both cases, workers attempted to set up cooperatives, drawing up business plans, commissioning feasibility studies, engaging politicians... Um, so Tony Webb writes about that in detail in his article. There was huge red tape with everything done legally and properly. While the time lapse for all the permissions and funding in both cases was too great for many of the workers to hang around, simply because they needed to earn a living, um, what killed both cooperatives in the end was wanton and I'd say sociopathic industrial sabotage. As Tony Webb puts it, these international corporations, they strip assets, they sell assets and then leave the country. They leave with their fists full of dollars and behind them empty shells of companies for workers and companies. And this is all enabled by government regulation and legislation. Again, the difference between legitimacy and legislation. Mm. When people try to organise to make a cooperative enterprise with the infrastructure left behind, this infrastructure is then destroyed. And that was at least the case in the, exam- in the examples Tony, Tony Webb uh, wrote about. Let's now go to a song by Roy Bailey, our favourite, Language of the Land. They called you the new world Who were they to understand Unwillingly they settled here Upon your ancient land They never tried to learn the language To them you must have seemed so strange You offered them nothing they knew All they offered you was change You talked with your people In silent ways that they all knew While others learned nouns and verbs The meaning never quite got through Your lungs were your forests Mighty rivers were your blood They stole the shade from over them Salted soil where once they stood And they called you the new world Who were they to understand? Unwillingly they settled here Upon your ancient land They never tried to learn the language To them you must have looked so strange You offered them nothing they knew All they offered you was change You fed son and daughter Asking kindness in return They kept poison from your waters They knew when you should burn 
But the settlers tried to change you Ignoring providence for greed All in vain they tried to claim you And we're still trying to succeed Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. You're listening to Jacques and Jennifer on Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Today we're having a bit of a conversation about cooperatives. At this point it's probably useful to leave Argentina and the existing cooperatives and, and attempts again and just go back a bit to look, to look at how cooperatives have established the founding principles of their purpose and their operations. Cooperative values can be summarized, and it's really good to actually carefully listen to these, personal and mutual support and responsibility, democracy, equality, justice and solidarity and members are to espouse an ethic of honesty transparency social responsibility and altruism that actually is part of the cooperative acts at the regulations in victoria 1996 mm -hmm. meanwhile uh, taken over by the national legislation on cooperatives so altruism was basically built into the regulation. It, it is built into the that regulation. That sounds a bit like planned empathy to me. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the thing is that but we at Borderlands 21 years ago, we actually deliberately chose to become a cooperative because of those values and those principles. Mm -hmm. Just probably quickly, first principle, voluntary and open membership, Demo democratic member control, number two, member economic participation is number three, Fourth is autonomy and independence. Five is, importantly, education, training and information. So they always try to create a bit of a surplus to pay for those and for have to, to have the members participate. Number six, cooperation amongst cooperatives. And seven, a concern for the community. 
So if you, as you can see, these philosophical and operational principles and values differ greatly from the accumulative, the acquisitive, competitive growth at all cost and damn the externalities consequences of the capitalist-oriented business models. Yes, and I suppose that business model um, supports accumulation of capital with the idea that it will trickle down to the people at the bottom. Totally. Mm-hmm. So, uh, with reference to Prime Minister Scott Morrison's recent description of a rise in New Start payments as unfunded empathy, I'd argue that we need less funded empathy for parasitic corporations, harvesting their wealth from the sweat of workers and communities. And certainly much less funded empathy for the taxation and other systems, which allow parasite corporations to systemically and often illegally even protect and increase their ill-gained fortunes. Mm. Yes, as we discussed last week, Shark, we really need to recognise that empathy is the glue of human relationality and health and well-being. Uh, Human beings don't really exist as atomised individuals. Um, So empathy is really the hallmark of being human, so I'd say, and I know you would, Jacques, um, pl- let's plan for empathy. In other words, let's have more planned empathy. This is, this is a, a, the pathway to health and well-being for all of us. On the flip side, let's stop planning for systemic sociopathy, which signifies lack of empathy. And which inherently also justifies the immense self-centeredness and individualistic pathos, which now seems to govern all of our so-called aspirations. Yes, and personally, I don't use the term sociopath lightly. We need less systemic sociopathy that favours the already wealthy and powerful and leads to untold suffering and cruelty in many ways. And we, we have lots of examples to draw from. In a recent episode of a a 3CR program, Alternative Radio, a US professor argued that we need to look at ways of governing to share power as well as income, which I thought was a really important, interesting point because we talk about income, but power is important. Um, For the sharing of power, he argued that governments need to actively support cooperatives to put power back with the people. And indeed, the news is quite good in that regard because there is a resurgence of interest in cooperatives, starting up cooperatives and occurring, in the, and that is occurring in the shadow of the neoliberal, what I call gigantomania, that, that wanting to be bigger and bigger and bigger, mm. and the disasters which have befallen the model, that model, which so dominates our lives. Think about the big banks, the superannuation and insurance systems, the franchises, the debacle. It's really necessary, however briefly, that uh, Victoria, Melbourne is the home of one very true believer in cooperatives who for decades has been advocating and researching cooperatives worldwide. His name is Race Matthews, the former Labour Minister at federal and state levels. He's written several books on cooperatives. Probably the most central one is Jobs of Our Own, Building a Stakeholder Society. That includes the story of one of the most known, well-known worldwide, uh, well-known cooperatives, uh, the famous Basque, Spanish Basque cooperatives of Mondragon. Mm. 
Melina Morrison, by the way, uh, who is the CEO of the recently, well, I think about four years ago now, this uh, established Australian Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, BCCM, she refers to her or the new online free resources available at BCCM to help people who have an idea to do so, set up business or so, to set up and run co-ops. They are housed on their website www.getmutual, one word, getmutual.coop, C-O-O-P. The BCCM, the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, is still very much developing various services for people who want to set up their business and they are very open to respond and help with co-op queries and development issues. They really want people to know that this is the business that this is the business or social enterprise model that this is on the rise and there is help available if you want to know more. As well for those interested, the University of Newcastle offers a graduate certificate in cooperatives, which I have visited not that long ago and I can recommend very much. The CR are selling kefir Palestinian scarves in support of the last factory that produces them in Hebron, Palestine. All profits will be donated to the reconstruction efforts in Gaza and support Palestinian industry. These are traditional scarves available in red and black or you can choose from a modern design. Go to 3cr.org.au slash shop to buy online or drop into the station during business hours. You're listening to Jacques and Jennifer on Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about cooperatives. Just... uh, an important additional uh, bit of information, there is really a literal explosion in interest to set up worker cooperatives, worker-owned cooperatives. For example, in the United States, 12% of the workforce are experimenting with business models that challenge top-down capitalism, and especially they are experimenting with worker-owned co-ops. There also there's a very good organization in the U.S., which I have been using repeatedly. It's called TESA, T-E-S-A. They developed a game called Coopoly, the game of cooperatives. Interesting, they used Coopoly as a uh, sort of a juxtaposition, if you want, to Monopoly. Uh, you can follow TESA on Facebook and, and Twitter uh, at TESA Collective. They are very resourceful and it would be good to think about this form of running alternative businesses given the new opportunities arising in the care of communities and the care or community services areas, especially with the growth and the implementation of the NDIS Disability Insurance Scheme. As you may have already heard or read, there is now, meanwhile, lots of problems uh, popping up everywhere with businesses trying to uh, exploit that service delivery and therefore not servicing the people for whom it was thought to be established or they were thought to be established. In Australia, there's also growing interest in all manner of cooperative forms of housing. 
co-housing, eco-villages, intentional communities, as they are often called. Meanwhile, they count over 150 initiatives in Australia, either already running, some really for many, many decades, others just forming, and dozens of those are already registered as cooperatives and other forms of social enterprise. I found it interesting, Jacques, to see in the age domain a story about a cooperative um, housing Mm -hmm. cooperative, Common Equity Housing, CHL. The reason I think it's interesting, because I know there are a lot of cooperatives around, we hear a lot about the housing crisis and what to do about housing, but all, all these stories about cooperatives that are being resourced and um, proliferating and being very um, productive and pulling the community together in different models and ways of doing things, why aren't we... I wonder, why aren't we hearing about that in the mainstream media? So that's why this article really popped out at me. It was in The Age, in Domain, and um, that was in March. And um, I think common equity housing is a really um, successful model for cooperative housing and you wonder why it's not getting more publicity and efforts like this aren't getting more Mm. traction. Um, I think just one answer, a quick answer to that is that there's too much profit being made out of the traditional developers model. If you look around Melbourne, Melbourne down uh, the city centre, you know, the high rises which pop up and then start start stay empty for quite a while. Mm. So I, su- I suppose um, cooperative living, talking about resourcing, cooperative living happens obviously from the ground up, that's the nature of cooperation, which actually paved the way for La Toma's successful takeover of the Tigre supermarket site, incidentally, which happened without government permission in that time and place. Cooperative values in our living and relating, they need to start today. We need the seeds of tomorrow in today. But um, I've also come to realise that support for cooperative living, it needs to come top down as well from our governments, um, as witnessed by Tony Webb in that new community article we've been talking about. And um, another suggestion I'd like to make um, before wrapping up soon is we need to actively seek out the wisdom of First Nation peoples Um, for really understanding and living out the idea that it is not always you against me, that we are one in a network of living relationships. It's time to stop always problematising our Aboriginal brothers and sisters in Australia. So let's approach Aboriginal communities with respect and ask them what we can learn from them, and especially in terms of cooperative living, um, I think there's a real um, area of expertise we should be tapping into. Yeah, I just mentioned before already about Borderlands Cooperative that we became a cooperative precisely because we believe in the values it represents and on, on which it is based. And after all, we have been around for more than 20, you know, moving out to 22 years. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.